Welcome to the Recovery Guys podcast. I'm a humbled follower of Jesus and I'm in recovery. I struggle with anger, pride, selfishness, and dishonesty. My name's Matt. Hey, Matt. I am a grateful and humbled follower of Jesus Christ. I'm in recovery and I struggle with approval addiction. My name is Todd. Good to be with you, my friend, and everybody out there, all nine of you listening. <laughs> Thank you. We've, we've moved the number up to nine, Matt. I just, it's an arbitrary number. I know. I feel Although, it. 12 countries, there's got to be 12 people. There's got, you know, I don't know if it's one person traveled to multiple countries and listened. <laughs> I actually think that one might have been me. I, I, I might have hit four <laughs> countries in my travels last fall. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. I was in. Uh, yeah, at least three countries. I think, I think we're at a dozen. Let's, let's yeah. go one person per country. Like that's it. that's conservative. I think that's, I like that. it. Yeah. And, and I almost, almost tried a, a brand new, uh, intro, you know, for, for this episode, which is just, Hey, you recovery guys. <laughs> and I couldn't remember that guy's name. I don't know if it was Wharf or Barf or. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I don't Gizmo. remember either. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I mean, I'm naming all these other 80s yeah, and 90s yeah. movies, but... <laughs> totally dating yourself. <laughs> that's right. I was, I, yeah, yeah. Hey, you guys. That's right. Yeah, just, our, I, I can't place it either. It'll um, come to us about halfway through the Hey, you recovery episode. guys. Yeah. Welcome. I use guys to refer to everyone around me all the time. <laughs> my children, my friends, my um, co-workers. Guys is the... Is the is the term. Yes. I, I agree. You, you've seen Men in Black th- three, right? When when Jay goes back and then he meets oh, the, yeah. the young K. Right. But he can't give uh, he can't give his true identity and why he's there away. So yeah. he calls him K. Well, how do you know my name is K? Oh, that's what I just call all guys. <laughs> and then he sees, oh, oh, he goes, How do you know that's your name? Well, that's what I call women, you know. So like when it's a couple, I say, Okay. That's <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh man, you might have been one of twelve people who saw Men in Black Three. There's no question. The other twelve that listened to the podcast—that's <laughs> that's who joined me in that. Yeah. Yes, it was rather alien. Yeah, well, yeah. it was. It yeah. was. Hey, you know what, everybody, all twelve listeners and their friends, were, which means probably twenty-four. There we go. Boom. Right. So if you're if you've been listening to the podcast, you know that part of what we do every episode is Matt commonly brings a question to pose to me, and then we both share on that question. Well. I, I took the rug right out from underneath Matt's feet tonight. Yes, you I did. I showed up and I said, dude, I got a question for tonight. So tonight's opening volley. Bring it. Maybe that's what we should call the question. Oh, opening the, volley. That's right. So Matt, I got to give a, so a little bit of background to our listeners who may be joining us just for this season. All right. So again, recovery guys really is because Celebrate Recovery is a foundation of our work that we continue to do. It's a, a tremendously valuable and integral part of the way that we live our spiritual life as well as we live just our day-to-day lives. In the part in the work of recovery, there is what's called an inventory. All right? It's part of all 12-step programs they go through and they do an inventory. Mm-hmm. CR follows essentially the same pattern. The one thing that CR does, a little bit different than other 12-step programs that does inventories, is that there is a negative side and there is a positive side. 
And if you go back to the episode notes, we talked about inventory, which is actually a couple in the first season. We talked about the absolute importance of balancing your inventory, right? Yep. Well, throughout the first season and so far in the two parts of our first episode in this season, we have talked a lot about challenging things. We don't mind taking out the heavy lumber, right? right. And challenging each other as well as really sharing deep parts of our work to hopefully give hope and encouragement, momentum, excitement, and some direction to anybody listening that's willing and ready to do this work. Well, I kind of felt like, hey, I think we should flip that over and make sure we spend some time on the balanced side of positive change, right? We've talked tremendously about what God has done in us, what God continues to do in us. Okay, so everybody listening, that's the background. So here's the foundation of this question. I want you to think about positive inventory item, okay? Specifically, one person that stood out or stands out in your positive inventory. Here's the frame that I would like you to think about and talk about, okay? I recently saw a video of a guy who shared about growing up how he was... Um, he was fit into, and he fit himself into molds, okay? Things that he believed about himself, things that other people required him to believe about himself, okay? Think about one of those molds that you either fit into or were thrust into. But that positive inventory item, that person, think about and please share about one person and the context of somebody who helped you get out of that mold. Does that make sense? Yeah. So so when you're ready, please share. Someone had helped me get out of, of a positive mold. Out of a negative mold. Out of a negative mold. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, like I said, uh, um, like a mold for me was I'm not good enough. Yeah. Right? I'm, in, I'm inadequate. Mm -hmm. and, and I have one person several, but I have one person that was uh, integral in giving me at least a foundation of, oh, no, no, that's not who you are. Yeah. And, and you're a different person than that. Or at least giving me a platform to go, oh, no, wait, that isn't, that is not the mold for me. That's just what I've accepted mm -hmm. or even have been pushed into. Yeah. So that's, that's the question. Yeah. Okay. So uh, one of the, one of it, w when I was a kid, I had... A, a a complete and full understanding and and it was just kind of what I had accepted about myself that I was not smart. Ah, gotcha. That I was okay. stupid. Okay? okay. So that was a refrain from influential people in mm -hmm. my life. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, a hurt that I carried and it was something that I just believed to be definitive about my life. Right. Okay? Perfect example of a mold that you were thrust into yeah. and that you then accepted. Absolutely. Perfect. Just Perfect. just completely lived into right. that when you think you're stupid, you do things that a stupid person would do. Right. You know? Right. And so I just completely believe that. In my freshman year of high school, I had an English teacher, Mrs. Kaselke, okay, who uh, was very concerned that we all learn very specific colors. Uh -huh. like Mauve and cerulean, oh, yes. whatever. We have this test like in the first week yeah. about mauve and cerulean. And I went in and I had no honors classes at at the school. Okay. Um, and so I was in a regular English class, and it was probably within the first week of class. You know, so my um, in my freshman year and prior to that, from third to eighth grade, I was homeschooled. Okay. okay? So 
uh, she asked me to stay after class. And I'm, dun, like, dun, dun. I'm like completely oh, like yeah. freaked out. I'm in trouble. I didn't know what I did. And, and she pulls me aside. She goes, I have two things to tell you. Okay, the first thing is, this is high school. We use pens. <laughs> okay. So don't, you wrote your paper, uh-huh. you turned it in in pencil. We don't use pencils anymore. We use yeah. pens. Okay. Get some. And she said, second, you do not belong in this class. Oh. She's like, I don't know who told you that you're not smart. You act like the like the kind of person who was told they're not smart. Wow. But I'm here to tell you, you are smart. So as a result of that, I went down to the office. I have changed your schedule. You are now in all honors classes. No kidding. And here's your new schedule. And a pen. I will see you <laughs> in the That's honors English class wow. tomorrow. So that, it was like... I had no idea. Like yeah. my whole story was rewritten from that point. I got straight A's throughout all of high school. Isn't that awesome? Because somebody told me, yeah, yeah, that that's actually not you. And I was like, yeah. oh yeah, you're right. I didn't know that I had permission to push back against the mold. And so she just poured me into a new mold. Now there were other people, sure, you know, who like reinforced that and probably do that more consistently. She just happened to insert that into my story at that time. And so after that point, it was like, oh, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, that's not true about me. Right. That was actually wrong. Oh, okay. I'm a smart person. Yeah. Outstanding. Yeah. It's good to remember that stuff, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I'm really glad you didn't say that the person was your soccer coach. <laughs> <laughs> Winning is losing. And lose, Sometimes the lose. real losers are the people who win all that. That team that just crushed us 24 to nothing, bunch of losers. They're not winners. That's right. We're the real winners. If you don't know what we're, why we're talking about the soccer coach, just please go back to listen to this, at least the second part of episode one, and understand the impact of boulders in Matt's <laughs> soccer career. I've been talking a lot about my high school life. Yeah, that's <laughs> Going back. Well, that's that's a perfect example, and thank you for sharing. Yeah, it is, it's a good thing to go back and remember and, and pay attention to. There are confluences and there are uh, detours in our life that are not all negative. They're not Absolutely. all hurtful. That there are really impactful moments and impactful people. And to honor those is really important. So the mold that I accepted... Um, <clears throat> I was fortunate enough to, uh, get started in sports. I loved playing stor- sports. I, I really was not very good at a lot of them because I just was a small, a small guy. Um, my dad was like naturally pretty gifted athlete. He was like a three sports, a three sports, uh, 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 athlete in high school. He held like the Forreston record for free throws. I mean, seriously no had way. his name somewhere in Forreston high school. Oh, that's yeah. cool. So I, I got into sports. Now, <clears throat> not, not to derail the positive part of this, part of the reason that I got into sports was approval and affirmation, mm-hmm. right? Unfortunately, I didn't give people a lot of reason to <laughs> a- approve of me and affirm, because of, mostly just because my body just was not ready for, for a lot of sports. But I took to baseball really pretty well. Okay. Okay. But much like you, somebody had said, well, you know, you're not really that good, Right. And I was not uncommon for me to always play one of the outfield positions, which when you're up up through about the age of 10 or 12 is where they put some of the kids that they don't want involved in a lot of the plays. Right. Okay. So I um, started a 
uh, summer league baseball team. I believe I was in sixth or seventh grade. That's what my memory says to me. If you, anybody listening, you don't know how old I am. You, if you knew how old I was, you would understand why it's hard for me to remember that long ago. <laughs> but so um, I got in, got into a team, got a coach who, right out of the gate, intimidated me. He was a hardworking guy. He expected results. Hmm. He was not one of those win at all costs, but he expected you get to practice on time. We practice hard. We're going to have fun, but I'm not here to babysit and play around and goof off. We're going to work and you're going to learn how to play this sport. So he intimidated me at first. I went, he's like, so what positions do you like to normally go? Go ahead and go out there and we'll, we'll get you out there. So of course I went to the outfield where I belonged. Got it. Right. Air quotes belonged in the first couple practices, hit the ball to me, throw it into second base and ball would get to me, come up, throw it to second base. I even started to notice I'm like one of the only guys who can actually throw it in the air to second base, hmm. right? So Tap, his name is Dan Tapia. Everybody knew him as Coach Tap. Nice. He's like, one day he just, him and Coach Webb said, hey, don't go out there. Have you ever played catcher? I'm like, no. It's like, well, there's two reasons that we ask kids to play catcher. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like with hockey and goal, goalies, right? Uh -huh. There are very few kids who want to play catcher. And you also have to have kind of a specific skill set for catcher, at least the raw skills for it. So I was like, uh, I don't care. You're like, you don't mind having a gear on? I'm like, no, I think it's kind of cool. You don't mind being dirty? No, I like being dirty. I don't mind working hard. I like getting sweaty. I like being dirty. So literally one day put the gear on me. Coach Webb worked with me for about a half hour. Mm -hmm. And from that point forward, I was behind the plate. Now, I went in, I can remember this distinctly, getting close to our first game of the season and thinking, well, somebody else will probably start. The card lineup goes up. I'm in catcher's gear. Wow. I was in catcher's gear every game, except for games that I was pitching, all right? I was awarded best defensive player of the year for that team. No way. Now, the way Tapia worked is he never really fell all over himself to give compliments, but... This is what I learned even at that young age, that if you are not getting Coach Tapp's attention, he really approved of what you were doing. Huh. And he said probably five words to me all year long when it came to the, the position of catcher. Got it. So much like your English teacher, that was the first experience where I realized, oh, wait, no, I'm not bad at this. Yeah. I, I actually know what I'm doing. Now, I was given good instruction, mm -hmm. but... I, I knew what I was doing, and I was really good at it, and that was it started a new trajectory for me. Yep. I went into every baseball season believing, no, I'm a capable person. Yep, I can do this. So Coach Tapp is my positive, one of the positive people who really broke me out of that mold. It means something when you acknowledge or see something in someone. Sure does. And that you call it out. Yeah. And yep. that and was it's, the And case. it's sincere. Yeah. See, there's lots of people who are willing to say, you're really good at that. And they're saying that because they want you to stop doing it as whatever you're doing yeah. because you're not very good at it. And that's, that's nonsense. And that's how American culture got William hung. <laughs> yes. You know? Yes. I mean, that's how American Idol, yes. uh, the yep. bad auditions you have betcha. happened. You, you know, Although I think they're, they're probably all staged. But, but, we're got, but you know, yeah. somebody who just says, oh, yeah, keep going, keep going. Yeah. You should, you definitely should You can be anything you sing. put your heart yeah. to. Yeah. yeah. 
no, some of us shouldn't sing. <laughs> That's right. You know, yeah. and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I loved, uh, I loved hearing that story, and then just knowing, like, hey, that that coach. Uh, especially not really saying a whole lot, yeah. like made such a huge impact yep. and and it didn't take a lot. Right. And he didn't have to change being a disciplined right, you know, coach, you know, right. that wasn't like, oh man, only that only happens, you know, with the touchy feel, you right. know, whatever. Right. Right. Hey, he was a coach who goes, Yeah, I see this in you. Hey, yep. you actually don't belong out there. Exactly. You belong over here. Yeah. And, and I'll coach you to be really good. And how cool it was that he was willing to take me out, much like your teacher experience. He was willing to take me out of the mold that I accepted and that everybody else expected of me mm-hmm. and put me into an entirely different mold. Yeah. A whole new. It wasn't like I went from the outfield to third base. I went from outfield to catcher, which if you know anything about the positions, could not be any more different. Yeah. Right? So he had not only the sense, but also the willingness to say, I'm going to stick you in this other mold where mm-hmm. I think you belong. And then I'm going to give you instruction. Yeah. And that was a big piece, just like your teacher did as well. I, I also was uh, made a catcher in the one church softball game that I played. <laughs> the <And> one? <laughs> yes. I was, a, I was a sub in this for, I don't even remember the church, honestly. <laughs> it was, I think it was for my, for my brother-in-law, Ben, who, who edits oh, our yeah. podcast. Yeah. Um, and, and they made me catcher because they didn't trust me with <laughs> anything really needing, you know, to handle yes. the, the, the softball. And, and I was like, okay, you know, I'm not going to catch any single one of these, you know, pitched <laughs> yeah, balls, right. no matter, you know, how slow they come in. <laughs> and that was uh, true, you know, 99% of the time. And then I got up to bat and I'm, I don't regularly yeah. play, yeah. you know, uh, baseball or softball. And I swung in a pitch, and no joke, Ben, who is who is honestly one of the funniest people that yeah. I know, I remember him saying from the dugout, you couldn't jump and hit that, Matt. <laughs> and I was like, oh, dude, he's on my team. You know, I wasn't getting heckled by the no, opposition, right, right. you know, yeah. by Grace Lutheran or whatever. <laughs> I was my team. The guy that asked you to play. <laughs> it was like, yeah. Oh, it was yeah. amazing. Speaking so, of new molds. Yeah, right? that's right. That's right. Yeah. That was not a hurt, by the way. Yeah, right. It wasn't. Right. It was it hilarious. It was probably truth. Yeah, it was exactly <laughs> true. I was like, oh, yeah, I guess if I, sh- if I, if I could only hit it by jumping, I shouldn't <laughs> swing. I think I was just trying to get it over with. Oh, probably. You know? like, yeah. yeah. I don't want to look like an idiot yeah. anymore. Yeah. I'm done. Swing away. <laughs> So we began our season talking about principle one, right? Realize I'm not God, admit I'm powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing, that my life is unmanageable. And today we are talking about principle two, and which is earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to him, and that he has the power to help me recover. And the verse that goes with that is Matthew 5, 4, happy are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So... Where do you want to start? Man, well, let's start with that first word because it's not a common word. Oh, yeah. Earnestly. Yeah. Right? Earnestly. I like that. I mean, earnest sounds like somebody's, you know, uncle from Texas, right? Right. <laughs> right. Not a common name. Not a common name, especially not, not, not these days. But earnestly, not only is that word used because it fits to the acrostic of recovery, mm. but 
I actually got really curious about this word when, when I was first exposed to the principles. I was, we've talked about how words mean a lot to me. Earnestly was an interesting word to me. It has always been an interesting word to me. So, of course, because I am want to do this, I wanted to know what does like the dictionary, what, what's, the, what's the definition, what's the, mm -hmm. a way that I can contextually understand this word. So I found this. You're going to love this. So um, to be earnest, okay, is resulting from or showing sincere and intense conviction. Oh. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Resulting from or showing sincere and intense conviction. So as I was really meditating on it, because I love that definition, that word conviction really stood out to me. And then I started just sort of meditating on what was my experience like in response to this principle. And something that I kept going, that my head kept going back to is the desperation that I felt when I entered recovery. We talked about this in yeah. principle one. Uh -huh. There was a desperation that I had. Um, and... <laughs> What I was reminded of as I was kind of thinking about this is that desperate belief in something often comes on the heels of being desperate. Yeah. Okay? So not only does earnest or earnestly believe have an impact in terms of how it shapes this principle, but I think it really establishes a great uh, foundation for when you when many people enter recovery we've already talked about this it usually is because they are desperate mm -hmm. right there's destruction there's devastation or and or there is just finally a fatigue from living with this garbage for so long that there's a desperation so what's interesting is if i come to recovery and it the reason i'm there is resulting from or showing sincere and intense desperation as well as conviction, because desperation usually <laughs> precedes conviction when it comes to recovery, uh -huh. right? That's where this word earnestly believe, uh, words, earnestly believe, I think don't skip over that part, right? Earnestly believe. And it made me wonder something. It made me wonder when have I ever, in my prior to my insanity or in my insanity, what did I ever earnestly believe? Right. I mean, seriously, I was, I found myself thinking, did those words apply to anything? And what I, what I came up with as I thought about that was, yeah, that I wasn't any good. What I earnestly believed prior to recovery, what I earnestly believed in my insanity is that I was not capable. All right. Before coach tap. Yeah. That I was not okay the way that I was that me being me was just not acceptable. And the thing that I, the thing that I tended to dump most of my earnest uh, belief in was, man, I've got to get myself together. From that perspective, how did I, I mean, is there any wonder I wound up in insanity, right? So if you think about that, did you earnestly believe anything before so, insanity? So, so this is, this is where, this is the confluence, yeah. you know, moment, and it and it's happening early, folks. <laughs> you know, so so when I when I um, reckon with those first couple of words, earnestly believe. Yeah. So where my mind turns is, we will have to come to grips with what we believe, 
and that will inevitab- mm. in- inevitably require me to address lies I've come to believe about myself, yeah. about God, and the power to recover. Yeah. So I lies are really powerful because yeah. when they're repeated, we can come to believe them hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. And that, that leads to that false self, which we've talked about you know, quite a bit. Right. Um, uh, I, I know I, I return to uh, Rich Fiotis often, but, but he wrote, we will find ourselves creating a reality and consistent with the truth and trying to inhabit it. <laughs> oh. I mean, come on. Oh, wow. Like that is exactly, that's the mold. <laughs> that right? is, that is absolutely the mold. Bingo. It is absolutely the mold. And so given yeah. enough time and you and I have both, you know, experienced this, but we become our lie. Yeah. And that, you know, comes back to a real, tra- I mean, that, that that's a tragedy. Not so much that we tell lies, but we live into them. Right. 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 And so, um, I'll, I'll, I'll give an example of this yeah. and this, and this like just recently happened. Okay. Um, like within the last couple of weeks. Yeah. So I met with a guy that I have not talked to since I started recovery and my last interactions were hit with him were at the peak of my insanity. Mm. I have lied to this man. Oh wow. Yeah. I have been dishonest right. with this man and all of the struggles that I had, he witnessed. Okay, right. so pride and manipulation and dishonesty. We were friends. We worked together often. Uh, I, I revered him. I looked up to him, and but I didn't speak to him for five years. Wow. Okay, and I felt compelled to reach out to him recently, and I just I just had a Zoom call, you know, with him, and there was a whole lot of shame going into oh, that call. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Okay? Um, I, I was embarrassed, you know, and at one point on the call, I just named it. Yeah. Okay. I said, Hey, I'm, I'm a bit ashamed. You know, I just got to tell you, you know, it's been a while since we've talked. I I was, I'm a bit ashamed coming into this because I know that you've seen me at my worst, you know, Mm. what I've just kind of talked to you about overcoming, like you really saw that you heard that, you know, and, and I hesitated, you know, even to, to reach out and, and this man listened and he said, hey, you know, we, we were, we were kind of getting into other things, like things that we're both in, interested in. And he's like, hey, you know what? But, but before I move on, I, w- I want to address what, what you said. Hmm. He's like, any shame you felt, that's not from God. Oh, yeah. Wow. You're my friend. We make mistakes. I've made mistakes, but that doesn't change how I feel about you. He's like, so any shame that you felt, like, yeah. that is not from the Lord. And I was I'm just like totally wrecked. Oh, you know, yeah. I got tears in my yeah. eyes and I'm like listening to a person yeah. just say, nope, yeah. you don't have to live. It re- you don't have to live into that lie that you yeah. deserve to uh, an endless series of punishments yeah. from everyone around you for mistakes you've made. Yeah. And so, you know, that's a lie that I still live into. I mean, this was like two weeks ago. Yeah. I still li- live into that. I deserve to be punished yeah. for what I've done. And this incredible man of God, I mean, it just, it just stuck out to me so much. Yeah, it's it's really amazing when a person, and I, and I'm convinced it, it happens to me. It's happened to people to, to people around me a lot. It, it's really obvious when a person, without any intention, just gets out of the way. Yeah. And and God, you know, uh, just 
it's like a ventriloquist almost, you know. I mean, their heart is obviously in it because they wouldn't say it if it was not sincere. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, those those are those are beautiful moments. Oh right? man! And again, you know, it, it kind of goes back to that, you know, Coach Tap, the yep. Mrs. Kaselki yep. moment where somebody just said it, it wasn't a it wasn't a yeah. long speech, it wasn't a prepared thing. It was just, hey, yeah. you know what? That shame's not from God, and yeah. I don't think you have to carry that anymore. I'm not. Yeah, I'm like oh. And so, so there were definitely lies that I had to face, you know, back to your question, you know, one was someone else is to blame for my mistakes, right? They deserved it. I was justified. And if, oh, if only, if only you knew the, the real story, you know, I'd be fine. Total lie. Um, how God would, how God felt about me would change based on the stage I was speaking from. Oh yeah. So if, if I could do more for God, I could cover my failure with righteous achievement, mm-hmm. you know? So just do more, just talk to some more people, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, another one was my worth and value was tied to productivity and performance, right? you know, which just fits in with the other one. So right. I would say, here's the point, you know, for me, it's recovery requires taking responsibility for lies. Yeah. You know, it's a good, it's, it's a great connection to the, again, that first part of this, of this principle earnestly exists or earnestly believe that God exists. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, because, you know, I like this, these words take on new life for me as I really think about how they apply to me. So I also hear in that earnestly believe that God exists in your daily life. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Not just earnestly believe God exists when you go to church on Sunday morning, Uh huh. earnestly believe that God exists when you accomplish something that's special. It's earnestly believe that God exists in every moment of your life. And what, like we've already spent a lot of attention to in the last season, in the first episode of first couple episodes of this season, it's, it's um, breaking the idea, right? That we are at all capable of hiding ourselves from him. Mm-hmm. Remember I, I kind of finished the, the last episode with that, that exercise from, from, from Benner, which is imagine being in your garden yep. and hiding from God because you've done something to hurt him and you step out and he says, I'm glad you're okay. I love you. And, and how I struggled with that. Right. I earnestly believe that God existed at the worst moments or at the best moments, not on all moments. And that was a, that was a big turning for me. So earnestly believe that God exists. Now, I also want to pick it. God exists. Okay. Because whether John Baker knew this or not, (laughs) right? Consciously, the reason that I love this language, one of the reasons I love this language, earnestly believe that God exists is the foundation of recognizing him as the higher power. Just stop, full stop right there. Okay. Because in Celebrate Recovery, the higher power is Jesus Christ, right? When, you, when, when we look at this principle, earnestly believe that God exists, showing sincere and intense conviction that God exists, that establishes the throne of him as the higher power in your life. Now, I'm here to tell you, even though 12-step programs like Alcoholics Anonymous that can establish almost anything as a higher power, right? The reason that for me... Celebrate Recovery, which is a Christ-centered program, just elevated my recovery work is because the the person, kind of air quotes, the person that I needed to recognize that I had wounded the most was actually God, right? 
I had tremendously wounded my wife. I had tremendously wounded our children and my mm-hmm. family. But my creator was the one that I let down the most, right? Mm-hmm. So I had to start, and I can't ever speed over, earnestly believe that God exists, and he is my, hi- my higher power. Now, this also relates to a major part, a major paradigm shift in the way that I thought about just relationships. I spent a lot of time, if you could see, if you could see my hands right now, you'd see me one hand going vertical and the other hand going horizontal. What I earnestly believed in most was the horizontal relationships. That's where the affirmation came from. That's where the approval came from. That's where the accomplishments came from, right? That's where most of my earnestness was committed, right? A an absolute like paradigm key paradigm shift for me just as a person, but obviously also in recovery and reformation with God was my emphasis had to be vertical, right? I had to earnestly believe that God exists as my higher power. And that if I am focused on that relationship, if I honor that relationship with intention, with sincere and intense conviction, then the horizontal relationships start to make so much more sense in a non-insane way, right? So that earnestly believe that God exists, that is the absolute foundation of God as our higher power. Yeah. Then what comes next, it, it, starts, to, it starts to take a different form. Yeah. A, a more, I would say, maybe um, accessible form. Because, I mean, let's face it. Earnestly, exi- earnestly believe that God exists is a question that everybody around the world wrestles with. Yeah. Right? It, it's, 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 been, it's been the strength and the bane of most world religions. Does God exist? Right. Right? So that is a mouthful. Mm-hmm. For a principle, that's a mouthful. But if it starts with sincere and intense conviction that God exists every moment and he is my higher power, now my attention starts to move in a vertical fashion. Yeah. If I honor this relationship most, it, number one, pulls my attention away from the horizontal ones, which is, go back to last principle, my tendency. Yep. Right? And then those relationships actually start to make way more sense. And as we get into more of these principles, you're going to see how the first two principles, these first two principles are absolutely like the scaffolding. Yeah. On all recovery work. Not that the other ones aren't. Sure. But man, these they two. They build upon they ab- they the bailiwick, yeah. you know, of the first that two. That is a great word. I think I might know somebody named bailiwick. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The bailiwick chronicles. <laughs> In the Jesus bunker. <laughs> In the Jesus bunker. So, so let me, let, let me touch on that, that vertical yeah. r- relationship. So I, I, um, I, I feel like you're, you're presenting the positive side of the inventory and I'm presenting the, the negative <laughs> side of the inventory. But, but that vertical relationship yeah. is so critical yep. and really in line. And I think Brian Loritz, you know, writes a lot about this, like a cross centered life, yeah, you know, right. being the vertical relationship with God and the horizontal relationship with others and, and those inform one another. Right. But there are forces that are at work to thwart that vertical relationship with God. Absolutely. And and I think in this earnestly believe that God exists, we have to reckon with those forces. Yeah. You know, so spiritually speaking, it's going to take 
that realization that this is a fight on a spiritual level. Hmm. It's more than flesh and blood. Yeah. And Satan is the father of lies, you know, going back to that first part. So lies separate us from love, and there are spiritual forces at work rewarding deception. Yeah. And so, you know, again, uh, back to Rich Fiotas, he said, but the pow- the way the powers seek to have us live deceptive lives is not through explicit training and falseness, but in convincing us to orient our lives around certain values, often good ones to begin with, until they dominate us to such a degree that we can achieve them only through deceit. Oh, man. I mean, dude, I mean, does this, he write anything that's not a Yeah, mouthful? right. You know, like, <laughs> it's so good. It is really good. So if yeah. positive values are fed so much that yeah. they grow beyond healthy boundaries, they can be so overemphasized that because it becomes impossible to live them out without resorting to deception. Yeah, absolutely. Right. That that's that falls in line with what Kellerman wrote about counterfeit gods. Yes. That even that that it that all because the heart is an idol factory, mm-hmm. right? That all things that we place in some fashion as a competitor to our our true higher power, even with the best intention, we can turn it into a counterfeit god. Yeah, and I think that's why you know, placement and order and and how the Bible presents things does matter. And so in Ephesians 6, the very first piece of armor is the belt of truth. Yeah. And so naming the truth is so critical to our mm. recovery. Yeah. And that's what this that's what this principle is all about. We have to summon faith, which is another mm. piece of armor, and faith, the Latin word for or the uh I think it's the Greek word for faith is pistos, which is a f- part of that definition is a firm conviction. Oh, yeah. So back like to, back your, to the convention. your earnestly, yeah. you know, or faithfully. So we have to summon faith, that firm conviction in what is true over the lies that we've told ourselves and believed. And that is hard work. <laughs> Man, you know what is not hard work? Lying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. So being honest about it. And earnestly believing in truth about not only yourself, but God. Yeah. And what God loves about you, that's, that is hard work. And so faith says, I'm not going to trust in those abilities to lie anymore yeah. or to live in falseness or in the things that I've convinced myself. I'm, I'm not trying to say that everyone who enters into recovery has a problem with dishonesty. What I'm saying is that there are ways that we allow dis- ourselves to be deceived. Yeah that the and that the life that we have that the insanity was comfortable and okay right whether it was acted out upon, like ourselves doing the actions or upon us right you know like right. that this was all okay and we right. have to come to grips with that and i think that's where you know and benner talks about this many writers talk about this there's it's like more than just knowledge oh gosh yeah you know it's not like yeah. oh hey i know that you know whatever, I was, I was, uh, uh, dishonest or I was struggling in this area. It's more than, it's a transformational knowledge. So truly transformational knowledge is always personal. It's not just objective, right. You know, truth. And so it involves knowing of, not merely knowing about, and it's always relational and it grows out of a relationship to the object that is known, whether this is God or oneself and that's Benner. So Hmm. uh, I'm not saying that Benner, is yourself. Okay. <laughs> if you were following my following my words. So we have to, and I think that's why this 
That's what's so important about the first words of principle two is that we have to establish the truth about God and live into that truth. And that's the only way, you know, to get to what you talked about, which is that, Hey, once we can do that, once we go vertical, you know, and we're in alignment with God, then we can start into the transformational work that is recovery. Yeah. And, you know, I've heard this from many times, you know, from a variety of preachers and authors that the Jewish name for God, which we pronounce as Yahweh, echoes the sounds we make when we inhale and exhale. Mm-hmm. And I love Richard Rohr expanded on this saying that there's no cultural way to breathe in or out. So there's no American, African mm-hmm. or Asian way to breathe. There's no rich or poor method yeah. of breathing. So the playing field is completely level. We all inhale and exhale, which which he takes to mean the truth about God, oh, the identity wow. of God is available to each of us. Isn't that beautiful? It is. That's so good. It's money in the bank, you know, like yeah. it just makes so much sense. So, yeah. so, and then, you know, along the lines of Richard Rohr, mature spirituality is not always about learning, right? So it's not just, hey, okay. I need to learn all of this stuff yeah. about all the problems that I have and how to fix them. It's all, it's about unlearning. Right. You know? Right. So, and that's, that's the transformational yeah. knowledge piece. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you one last thing before we kind of move on to the, the remainder of this principle, because there's, there's, there's some there's heavy so lifting. There's so much more. There's you some know? heavy like lifting just... coming up still. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell you, and this is, I don't share this like, you know, some sort of like, I don't know, like church mythical like you know thing like this is this is not being flip really think about this i'll tell you who does earnestly believe that god exists and that is satan yeah right so when you think about the fact that our number one god's number one adversary who wants to pull us out of god's grip believes that god exists more than i do that should give you some scope Mm. Right. And it is a difficult question when you have faced hard things, when when you faced hard things that were forced upon you. Absolutely. To and it's it's a haunting question that I've asked many times in my journey, and that is, God, where are you? Yeah. And I remember years ago, and this was um I, I was going through a time of just intense pain. There was like a confluence of things between work and family. And then I started having, you know, memories that I had really worked oh, yeah. hard to tamp down right. to protect myself. That's a normal Absolutely. thing, you know. Yep. All of a sudden, those started coming back. I had no idea what was happening, where it was coming from. And and so, okay, go, yeah, you know, get right. back down, tamp right. that back down. And it was just seeping out in super unhealthy ways. Yeah. I had no idea, you know, I had no tools for, you know, how to understand that. And so we lived out in the country at the time and I took, uh, like a walk. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to get out of the house. You know, I, I can't, I, I can't be in the house, you know, right now I'm not the person who goes out on walks. So okay. <laughs> <laughs> goes out for There's a run. something going <laughs> on. Know, like, going I think Noah was like, Oh, you're leaving. Why you yeah. know, are you driving anywhere? <laughs> no, I'm walking. But I, I got to the end, you know, I kind of crossed a bridge outside of uh, our, our neighborhood and then I got to the the where the road ended, and there was yeah. a sign in the road that said "Road Ends." <laughs> okay, 
And it was just like exactly how I felt about that moment. Yeah. And I just, I screamed. I just screamed wow. God at the top of my lungs until I had no breath left, no mm. sound left. Like my, my throat was raw yeah. from making that sound. Yeah. And I really was asking the question, where are you? Yeah. Yeah. You know, because it doesn't feel like you're here. Yeah. You know, so where are, and that is a hard, that is a hard question. Yeah. And if you're asking that question, this principle may be of some beautiful hope for you. I hope so. And that God is near. Yeah. You know, that is the hope of principle two. God is near. Yeah. so good to be with you. Thanks for listening to part one of our episode on Principle 2 from Celebrate Recovery. Todd and I will continue the conversation and in the next part talk about accepting how much we matter to God, what mourning has to do with this principle and the beatitude that goes with it, and the power that must come from outside ourselves. If there's someone that comes to mind as you listen, I'd encourage you to share this with them. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Check out our Facebook page. Every little bit makes a big difference for a small podcast like us. Let us know what you're learning and how you're growing. It's good to be with you on this journey.